Uh, let's go ahead and open our Bibles, please, and turn to uh, 1 John in our uh, Sunday School series, uh, as you know. Uh, if you've been with us, we are working verse by verse through the book of 1 John, and uh, we've been looking uh, last week at chapter 3. I want to do some quick review here this morning, and then we'll pick it up oh, halfway or so through the chapter. But let's go ahead and open in prayer first, please. Lord, we do thank you today uh, for the beauty of the day. Lord, thank you for the warmth uh, yesterday and today and for uh, the plenteous sunshine. It's a wonderful encouragement, Lord. We thank you for it. Uh, Lord, we continue to pray this morning for our nation, for our country, uh, for all of our uh, elected uh, officials, our leaders, our representatives. Uh, we lift them all up to you, Father, this morning and, and pray for the salvation of those who are not yet saved. Lord, we pray for the encouragement uh, and the obedience of, of those who are saved. Lord, I pray that you'll work here now this morning in our Sunday school hour. Uh, Father, for your honor and your glory. Lord, help me. Help me to bring your words clearly this morning. And Lord, help us to respond to them just exactly as you desire. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your love this morning. Pray that you work here now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God this morning for the love, the love of a perfect God. Uh, it is an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and we looked here last Sunday morning at really the first half or so uh, of the chapter. We saw here initially uh, God's love for us, God's love for us, uh, and the fact that he's demonstrated it in a number of ways. Of course, uh, it's demonstrated, according to John 16, 316, there we go, in the Lord sending his only begotten son and uh, the love of Christ and his willingness to go to the cross and suffer all he did. Of course, suffer all the indignities that uh, he experienced on the way to the cross as well. Well, what did we see here in this chapter? We saw God's love being demonstrated uh, in him making it possible uh, through Christ for us to be called the sons of God, adopting us into the family of God. Um, through the blood of the Son of God. And we saw that here uh, in verse 1. We saw the Lord's love, God's love, demonstrated toward us uh, in all of his promises, which are the basis for the hope, the certain hope that believers know. It is a loving thing that the Lord has made promises to us and that those promises can be believed. We can view God's promises as... Um, promises that he is able and willing uh, that he will keep. And so we can have a certain hope in the Lord's uh, promises to us, uh, most certainly including the promise of eternal life and the promise of heaven instead of hell. So we're hopeful people, praise God. By the way, you can have a great hope despite uh, whether or not the election went your way. Uh, if, uh, if the candidate or candidates that you were uh, rooting for and voting for uh, did not get elected, or if that doesn't seem to be the case, our hope in Christ uh, hasn't changed one bit. He is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and all of the hope that we have in Christ is still all of the hope that we have in Christ, and it's certain. Please don't forget that uh, this morning. We saw... Um, that God's love is demonstrated in his promise that when the Lord will appear, we'll be like him uh, and that we will see him as he is, uh, the resurrected Savior, the glorified Jesus Christ. Uh, what a wonderful truth. 
Uh, and then we, we transitioned a bit and uh, saw beginning in verse 3, John uh, begins to paint out, well, it's the Lord through John, right? Uh, what is a right response of the believer? Because John is writing to believers, right? What is the right response? What, how does God want us to respond to his love? And, and we saw that the theme, the overriding idea, is that the Lord would like us to love him back by obeying him, by living righteously uh, and living according to his words, uh, by choosing not to sin. And we saw John define sin as, uh, as breaking the law. We saw uh, him uh, make it clear that it's Christ, the sinless uh, Savior, who came to take away our sins. Uh, we saw uh, in verse 6 that choosing to continue in sin you know, just, just choosing every day, day in and day out, choosing to continue sin. Hey, that's not consistent with salvation. Uh, choosing instead to repent genuinely and to seek the Lord for grace to obey, that's more consistent with, much more consistent uh, with salvation. And it's God's desire that we respond to his love that way. We saw in verse 8 that choosing uh, to continue in sin is, is of the devil. Uh, it's not of the Lord, and it, it's not his, his desire. Well, um, let's come down and pick it up in verse 10 now. And we see this same overriding theme continuing, uh, but then we'll see an application of that theme. So the theme here being, again, that um, obedience to the Lord is our loving response to his love. And not only is it the response that the Lord desires that we put into force uh, in response to his love, but doing that is in fact an evidence that we've been saved. Uh, choosing to love the Lord by obeying him, and in a moment we'll see, uh, and by obeying him to love others, so that vertical love of God, horizontal love of the brethren, uh, this is not only God's desire, but your um, will and ability in Christ, uh, because you've been saved, to do that is in fact an evidence of salvation. It's a, it's a proof of the truth that you have in fact been genuinely saved. And uh, that, this morning that should be a great encouragement if you recognize that you have a love for the Lord. I understand it's not perfect. And you recognize that you have a growing love for brothers and sisters uh, in our church. Understand that's not perfect either, not yet. Uh, but the fact of that love in, in any quantity, um, especially if it's growing, is a wonderful proof and evidence that you have, in fact, been saved. And uh, if you recognize that this morning, just stop for a moment and quickly say, thank you, Lord. Uh, I want to I learn to love you more than I do, but I do love you. Thank you for that. Uh, encouragement that I'm saved. Thank you that uh, although my love for the brethren is imperfect, uh, it's there, uh, and I'm, I'm convicted when it's not as perfect as it should be. Lord, thank you for that encouragement uh, that, that I am saved, that I've been changed in Christ. Well, see this here. So in verse 10, John says, in this, the children of God are manifest, are revealed or made clear. Uh, and the children of the devil, uh, whosoever doeth not righteousness, 
uh, is not of God. So uh, obeying the Lord by doing righteousness is an evidence that you've been saved, that you're of God, uh, having no desire, no will, uh, no growing obedience to the Lord to do righteousness, uh, that, that's consistent with being of the devil, uh, having not yet been moved into the family of God. Well, see the second part of verse 10. He says, neither uh, he that loveth not his brother. Verse 11 says, for this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should what? Underline this next phrase, please. Love one another. Uh, this is a command of God, of course. It's his desire, uh, and the Lord makes it clear in this passage that uh, the, the will and ability to do that at all uh, is a wonderful proof, <laughs> I'll say again, proof of the truth that you've been saved. It's a wonderful thing. It's part of the, the transformation of our minds, of our hearts that the Holy Spirit affects uh, when we have been saved. And Here's an interesting note. Uh, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. I'll give you uh, a moment to get there. But, but turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 22. Uh, there, Peter also associates being born again uh, through the word of God, which he calls the seed. Uh, he associates that with obedience to love the brethren. So uh, this is just not just an idea that comes out of left field and, and John's the only one who, who communicates this idea. No, the Lord has used Peter to reinforce this idea as well. Uh, if you're saved, there will be love. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is an evidence of salvation. So picking it up in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 22, there the Bible says, Seeing uh, ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Uh, saved people will have a lovely, uh, let me try that again, a genuine love for other saved people. He says, See that ye love one another with a pure, a genuine heart, and not just in a casual way, but rather fervently. Let me read that phrase again. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, not just kind of, oh, maybe I'll love someone today, maybe I'll demonstrate some love. To no, there should be a desire to do that uh, fervently and toward all, all of your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in your church family. Verse 23, what makes this possible? Well, being born again, verse 23, not of corruptible seed, the words of God, but of incorruptible by the word of God. There you go. Uh, seed, again, being uh, defined as the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Verse 24, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but... Contrast here, the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you, all, all of us. Uh, it's the word of God that made it possible, the unchanging, enduring word of God that made it possible uh, for us to be saved. Uh, and it's the same uh, salvation that makes it possible uh, for us to live according to uh, the unchanging words of God now that we are saved. 
uh, and uh, the Lord reveals here in his unchanging words uh, and in 1 John chapter 3 as well uh, that he desires that uh, we obey, that we live righteously uh, in one application, one specific area of righteous living um, is choosing to love instead of choosing to express uh, hatred toward one another. Now, I didn't just make up that, that, that comparison. Uh, back here in 1 John chapter 3, go back there, please. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 12, Lord says, listen, love is the opposite of hatred. He'll use the example of, of uh, illustration of uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, he says, love is the opposite of Cain's hatred, uh, which led to the hateful action of, of, of murder. What the Lord wants us ultimately to see here is that just as hatred leads to hateful actions, uh, we're called to exercise love, which expresses itself in loving actions. Uh, hate expresses itself in hateful actions. Uh, murder, uh, I would submit, would probably be the, the worst example of that. But, but think about what we say and, and do to each other as well. You can, you can express hatred in all kinds of ways. Um, just our words. Well, look at verse 12. He says, not as Cain. Uh, not as Cain. He said, end of verse 11 says that we should love each other. Verse 12, not as Cain, uh, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, killed him, murdered him. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil uh, and his brother's righteous. Well, there was a jealousy there. Uh, there was a jealousy in how God responded to uh, one brother's uh, works versus another. Uh, one brother worshiped the Lord as the Lord desired, one chose not to. Uh, one was jealous in, in God's response. Uh, verse 13 says this, Marvel not, my brethren, uh, if the world hate you, uh, as Cain hated Abel. Then um, verse 14 reiterates that, that love is an evidence of salvation. Verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life, from spiritual death. Uh, remember, we experienced the spiritual death the moment we committed that first volitional sin. First time you chose to sin, uh, you experienced a spiritual death. You were born with the sin nature that led you down that road, but the first time that you committed that, that sin willfully, uh, you experienced a spiritual death, and uh, you, you were in that state, that condition, spiritually uh, dead until you were born again spiritually uh, through repentance and, and, and faith in the shed blood of Christ. Well, as death, burial, and resurrection as well, amen? He says, we know, verse 14, that we have passed from death spiritual death, unto life, spiritual life, because, so here's the idea of the evidence. How do you know this? Because we love the brethren. Brethren is plural. You don't just uh, love your spouse. Uh, you, you don't just exercise love to your, toward your husband or your wife, if you're married, but toward all of the brethren. And, you know, the, the context here, no doubt, is within a church, uh, but certainly believers, as we have opportunity, uh, should also desire to, um, to express, uh, to, um, to uh, do love toward uh, all people. 
He that loveth not his brother, this is the end of verse 14. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, uh, spiritual death. And verse 14 couldn't be any more clear than it is. Uh, If you are able and willing to do love toward brothers and sisters in Christ, that's an evidence of salvation. That, that's, that's a true evidence of salvation. But if not, then that's an evidence of the fact that someone has not been saved. They've, they've not been reborn. They've not been regenerated by the Spirit of God because they've not yet come to the Son of God. They remain, what are the last two words of verse 14? In death. They remain spiritually dead, uh, as Cain was, evidently. Not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing at all. Um, by the way, someone who realizes that, you know what, I don't have that love. There's none of this love uh, in my heart toward God uh, or, or toward brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, maybe I haven't been saved. Well, listen, if the Holy Spirit uh, convicts you of that this morning, uh, <laughs> you, can, you can respond and be truly, genuinely saved. Uh, you can uh, repent of sin, uh, and you can place uh, your faith uh, in Christ. Uh, the Bible says, For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says in Romans ten thirteen, For whomsoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We understand that there's repentance uh, required, uh, a genuine intent or desire to turn from unrighteousness, uh, to righteousness, uh, to believe upon, to commit to, to place one's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood he shed, his death, burial, and resurrection. Listen, if, if you'll place your faith in Christ, you'll be saved for sure. You'll be saved for sure. Uh, and you'll have this love, which is a supernatural uh, evidence of our salvation. That's a promise from the Bible. It's a promise from the Bible. Be encouraged by that this morning. Uh, Some may say, well, listen, I I know I'm saved, no question about that, but uh, I really haven't been choosing uh, to love the Lord the way I should, and if I'm honest, I haven't been choosing to to do love toward brothers and sisters in Christ in the church the way I should. Well, what what can you do? Repent of that. Lord, I I know I haven't. Uh, Confess that. Uh, Ask the Lord for grace for strength from him uh, to do differently. Uh, ask the Lord to show you opportunities to demonstrate love, to do love, uh, and then uh, do it. <laughs> you know, sometimes we pray, God, help me to do this, and the Lord will show you an opportunity to do it, and you know he'll give you strength to do it, but you choose not to do it. Well, you've got to do your part. Uh, if you've prayed something uh, like what I'm proposing here, you can trust God to answer that prayer, but you'll have to ultimately do it uh, as he answers the prayer with opportunity and with grace, strength from him uh, to do it. We need to take that and actually do it, put it into uh, action. Look at verse 15. Uh, verse 15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, uh, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Well, that's the point that we've made, uh, verse 15. So in the, in the next several verses, uh, the Lord is urging believers 
to exercise, uh, as I've been <laughs> implying here, uh, to put into action uh, not just a little love, but a great love toward fellow believers. Not just an emotion that stays inside, uh, but a, a spiritual care and concern and desire to do for others uh, in our church family. Look at verse 16. Uh, here the idea is that uh, as Christ exercised a great love, well, Christ exercised a great love by doing something, by laying down his life for us. And uh, verse 16 teaches the idea that, you know, we ought to be able to, uh, ought to be willing to pay a price uh, for others as well. Verse 16 says this, hereby perceive we, hereby see we, perceive, understand, um, hereby perceive we the love of God. How do we see the love of God? Well, one way is that uh, he laid down his life for us. He put his own life, um, he put us and our need ahead of his own life. You realize that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us when he came and went to the cross. He put our need um, ahead of his own life. I don't know if you ever really stopped and thought about it that way. He put um, satisfying our greatest spiritual need, salvation, uh, ahead of retaining uh, his own life. He laid down his life so that we could be saved. Um, that's <laughs> the love of God. That's the love of the Father who sent his son to do that. It's love of Christ uh, who was obedient to do that. Well, we understand that fairly easily, I think. Uh, what might be more difficult is the very last phrase of verse 16. He says, and, so tightly connected idea here, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's a tall order, Lord. Um, does he mean it literally? Well, I think he does mean it literally. Um, certainly, we've known um, those who have literally gone and, and lovingly defended our nation uh, and have been willing to lay down their lives for the rest of us. Uh, Wednesday is Veterans Day, and we'll take time to uh, to thank veterans and to pray for them and, and for families, um, their willingness to go and risk their lives um, in battle is a profoundly loving thing. Uh, some did indeed lose their lives for us. That is a profoundly loving decision. Uh, we can just barely begin to understand how profound a love that is. Well, it's that kind of love that Christ had as he came and laid down his life for our spiritual need, our greatest spiritual need for salvation. And he does indeed call us to be willing to pay a price in order to demonstrate love toward others. Now, I think for the most part, most commonly, uh, it's not going to require us to lay down our lives as some have, and as Christ have, has. But at the same time, I think we recognize that there is typically a cost, a price to be paid in order to demonstrate love to someone else. 
if someone in the church has a need and you meet that need, meeting that need costs you something, at least time, maybe money, maybe food, maybe something else. Uh, it costs you something. It costs Christ his life to meet our greatest spiritual need. Uh, it may not cost you your life to meet a practical need in the church. It may only cost you a bit of time, but it'll cost you something. Uh, the Lord says at the end of verse 16, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to be willing to put the needs of others ahead of our own needs and desires, even including our very life. That is what the Bible says recognizing that we'll not typically have to spend ourselves that completely, but you do spend yourself in some way, to some degree, when you lovingly meet the needs of others. Uh, the Lord gives us an example of that in verse 17. And the example is this, of someone who has uh, relatively more than others, Material wealth is, is what's in picture, what's pictured in verse 17. He says, listen, uh, to have relatively more and to not be willing to use a portion of that to help meet the needs of those who have relatively less, that's unloving. Um, here's an illustration of, of this idea that sometimes it's going to require you to invest a portion of what God has given you uh, to lovingly meet the needs of others. Verse 17 says this, but whoso hath this world's good material stuff, money and things, and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Well, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Uh, Loving each other it literally requires doing for each other, uh, and doing for each other always has some kind of cost. Meeting our greatest spiritual need costs Christ his life. Um, meeting the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ may not require that, but there is a cost. Uh, there's, and, and if it's a physical material need that you can help meet, there'll be a literal financial cost. Uh, praise God for brothers and sisters who are willing uh, to spend from their relative more to help meet the needs of those who have relatively less. I'm always amazed, by the way, at people who have relatively less uh, who are still willing to invest what they have uh, to help meet the needs of others. Think of the widow who, who cast her last mite into the offering. Uh, that's an amazing thing. It's truly, um, that, that is a profound evidence of love. Uh, when, when people who have the least are willing to help meet the needs of others, um, that is a profound example of Christ-like godly, biblical love. Uh, it's a it should be a relatively easier thing for someone who has a lot <laughs> to give a little. Sometimes it seems like when you have a lot, uh, it becomes more difficult. Well, we, we fall in love with our, our material wealth, and that misplaced love can make it very difficult to demonstrate love by parting with that thing that we love. You understand. Lord, help us to be willing to invest uh, 
uh, ourselves, our time, um, our wealth, <laughs> or lack thereof, to help meet the needs of others. That is an example, that is an evidence, that is a proof of salvation. Um, John summarizes the idea, the overriding idea here in verse 18. He says, my little children, uh, again, uh, addressing us tenderly and lovingly, he says, let us not love in word, not just with lip service, neither in tongue, but, uh, here's the contrast, in deed and in truth. Uh, it's easy to say, to, you know, to do lip service. Oh, I'm going to help you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. But to actually do it uh, is where the love is actually demonstrated. Uh, he says that uh, we are called to love not in word or in tongue, but in deed, actually doing the loving thing, actually taking from what we have and investing it in someone else. That's true love. Um, he says, and in truth also. What does it mean to love in truth? Well, uh, uh, according to the truth of God's words? How about that? I don't know how else to understand that phrase, uh, to love according to the truth of God's words. There's all kinds of people defining love all kinds of ways. Um, it's, it's not loving uh, to demonstrate love um, physically outside of the context of marriage. Uh, so that, that would be, uh, you, your intention may be to demonstrate love physically in an intimate physical relationship, but outside the context of marriage, uh, that would be indeed, but not in truth, not according to uh, the word of God. There's all kinds of people trying to demonstrate love all kinds of ways, doing for each other, but not according to the word of God. Um, there's, there's uh, in, the, in the world today, for, an exa for example, um, people who have decided that we should demonstrate love to people who have chosen a lifestyle of sin, uh, will we'll demonstrate love to them by accepting their sin and, and not labeling it as, as what God has labeled it as sin. Uh, for example, someone who has chosen to pursue a lifestyle that falls anywhere along the LGBTQ uh, continuum. Uh, that's a choice that someone could make, but according to the word of God, it's a sinful choice. And we do not exercise love toward those individuals by accepting their sin and allowing them to believe that it's okay. Uh, and, and demonstrating love by accepting their sin and allowing them to believe that it's okay with us and, and okay with God. No, that's, that's, you might argue that's love, but it's not love in truth. It's not love according to the word of God, and therefore it's not true love, but rather a false love. Now listen, uh, I'll say this, and I always take care to say this, uh, anyone from that world, the LGBTQ world, is most certainly welcome to come and visit our church uh, and to hear the truth, to hear the truth of God's love for them, to hear the truth that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life for our sin and for their sin. Uh, our sins may be different, 
but sin is sin. <laughs> Christ had to come and die for all of us, uh, whatever our sins are. Uh, and he's made it possible uh, for us to be saved. He's made it possible for them to be saved. And so they're welcome to come and hear the gospel and to be transformed by the life-changing power of the Spirit of God as, as they place their faith in Christ. I've been reading a book about, um, it's dealing with uh, our culture and um, the fact that uh, so much of our culture now accepts so much sin and that it remains, despite that, it, it remains our call to take the truth, the truth of the gospel uh, to a lost and dying world that uh, is, is so much further removed from truth today than, than perhaps it was in the past. This man makes the point, he says, listen, there are gonna be refugees from that lost world, uh, refugees from the LGBTQ community who are, if, if we'll go out and share the gospel with them, some of them are gonna be saved. And we're gonna to need to be willing to receive them into our church lovingly and disciple them and teach them and encourage them to stay faithful to the Lord rather than falling back into that sin. Uh, not accepting the sin, not labeling it as okay, no, that would be unloving, but accepting the person and encouraging them if they've been saved to stay faithful to the Lord uh, and to know his blessings and, and to learn and to grow uh, in the context of a church, which is a group of sinners called out from the world in Christ uh, to live according to his word. Listen, you understand uh, the point here. Uh, love has to be in truth. Take care that you don't demonstrate love in a way that is not according to the truth. Um, but let's, let's please, let's please be willing um, to lovingly go and share the truth with all people and to receive the truly repentant into our church no matter the background that they come from. Uh, we all have all kinds of sin in our background and surely we, should, we would shudder if uh, our church family knew all of the sin. Let us not forget that. Lord Jesus Christ covers all sin, removes all sin as far as the east is from the west. Uh, my little children, verse 18, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed uh, and in truth. Verse 19 says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth uh, and shall assure our hearts before him. Again, this is an evidence uh, of salvation. Let me quickly just cover the last uh, three verses here. Uh, there are results or blessings from the Lord uh, for obeying his word here. If you will uh, choose to exercise this love that he has commanded, not just with lip service, but doing it according to truth, according to God's word, there are blessings that you can expect for that. God will bless you for that. That'll be a wonderful help and encouragement to us. It'll bring honor and glory to Christ. Let's see three blessings very quickly, and I'll just give them to you and read the verses and we're done. The first thing we see here is the blessing of a clear, peaceful conscience. Uh, verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, uh, if our heart condemns us not, 
then we have confidence toward God. And the idea here is this, this seems to be picturing peace uh, toward God. So listen, when you're doing right according to God's words in his strength, um, you can have a clear conscience. And that's a wonderful blessing of the Lord. The Holy Spirit will not be convicting you that you're doing wrong and need to repent and get right. Uh, if you're doing right in God's strength, you can have a clear conscience. That's a wonderful blessing. Uh, secondly, uh, the Lord says, you'll be blessed with answers to prayer. Verse 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing uh, in his sight. And so here in verse 22, answers to prayer are pictured as blessings for obedience to the Lord. Don't miss that. That's, that's here. That's what verse 22 shows us. This principle of the blessing of answered prayer uh, being a blessing for our obedience uh, to the Lord. And in context, it's obedience to love in deed and truth. Okay, so we've got the blessing of a clear conscience, number one, the blessing of answered prayer, number two. Uh, and then uh, in verse 23, uh, we see this. This is the, his commandment. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. So again, um, this idea of a prerequisite for these blessings, that we love one another, he said, indeed and in truth. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, be saved, uh, and be obedient. Love one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24, uh, and we're done. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he, Christ, in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning for uh, the blessing of, of having these words Lord, I know that I can love because it's, you, you've shown us that's a fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I, I, I know this morning, I can know that I'm saved this morning because of that fruit, of the love that you produce in our lives uh, for you and for brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to direct that love vertically toward you and horizontally toward brothers and sisters in Christ. To do that um, indeed, to do it, uh, and in truth, according to your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd, you'd help us to be looking, watching out for an opportunity uh, to demonstrate love this morning. Father, I know that if we'll be obedient to demonstrate love to a brother or sister in Christ today, that we'll also be demonstrating love to you at the same time. Lord, certainly you are worthy of our obedience, and most certainly you're worthy of our obedience in this area. Lord, I, th I thank you this morning that you make this obedience possible. And Lord, I thank you this morning that you, you do bless us for our decision to obey you. You give us a clear conscience, peace in our hearts. You bless us with answered prayer. Lord, you bless us so very abundantly. 
Lord, I thank you this morning that that's another way that you demonstrate your love to us, by blessing us. Lord, I thank you this morning for uh, adopting me into your family. What a great demonstration of love. I thank you this morning for all of your promises. What a great demonstration of your love. Lord, I thank you this morning for the cross where you sent your only begotten son for me. Truly, what a great demonstration of your love. Lord, help us this morning to comprehend your love and to respond and to respond with a yielded, humble obedience, relying upon your grace to live it out, choosing to demonstrate the love that you enable for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.